Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the second week of Not Your Dude Cinema. We're your hosts. I'm Katie. And I'm Jess. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> Once again, very excited to be here. Very excited that people are listening. Yes, we are so happy that you've decided to continue listening to this. We're excited to get into it. Yeah, definitely. What have you been watching during quarantine? I feel like it's important for the people to know what we've been up to. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, I'd like to say that every day I've been watching a new film from that Criterion Collection. That is not the case. (laughs) (laughs) Those were my dreams, but really it's been a lot of reality television, particularly the UK edition of Love Island, which I highly recommend. It's like The Bachelor on steroids. (laughs) Uh, It's, you know, it's got crazy, ridiculous challenges and like the drum it's great plus if you love british accents you know you can't go wrong there uh, and then just re-watching a lot of some of my favorite films carry potter of course and indiana jones and forrest gump and just like a lot of feel good things that you know good memories from my childhood i finally watched moana for the first time a few weeks ago highly recommend that i still haven't seen moana it's fantastic i was having a conversation with a friend the other day about like how she is a great character and the music's fantastic. What I've heard of the music is really good, but you can't go wrong with Lin-Manuel Miranda, so. No, you can, you definitely cannot. What have you been watching? I'm going through the same thing where I thought I was going to be expanding my brain with classic cinema. I'm rewatching Shit's Creek. I, <laughs> I still have yet to get into it, but I've heard the best things about it. Very excited to finally watch it soon. It's taken the place as my number one favorite sitcom. It's so wonderful. It fills the void that Parks and Rec left in my heart. I miss Parks and Rec so much. (laughs) Parks and Rec was my number one. Now it's number two to Schitt's Creek. Was that a pun? I don't know. When I watched the special that Parks and Rec did, it brought me so much joy. I miss that show and those characters so much. Getting to see everybody again during the special was so lovely. Especially because I feel like there's nothing like that show right now. No, not at all. No one's doing the same thing that that show did. And maybe they'll never do anything like that again. But that show holds a very special place in my heart. So good. I Oh, it's so good. Now I'm just thinking about how great it is. Oh, man. I miss NBC Comedy Thursday. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to tell everyone what we're going to be covering today? Yes. Today we are starting our three-week series on Greta Gerwig. With today's episode, we will be focused on her acting career. We are focusing specifically on the films that she co-wrote and starred in. So we're talking about Frances Ha and Mistress America today. Oh, yeah. We're very (laughs) excited. With, oh my god, I... (laughs) Katie, I'm so sorry. It's okay. For some reason, I'm like, I'm not nervous, but I just feel like I'm at a loss for what to say. <laughs> I'm si- I have your notes in front of me. Your very extensive notes. <laughs> I'm just like, what is criticism? What is film? <laughs> telling my dad earlier in the car like I had just gotten done submitting that thing for class and I was like super anxious about it and then I was like I just want to turn my brain off but I have to keep analyzing today (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm having a stroke (laughs) oh no oh my god 
God. So the films that we're going to be talking about today are Frances Ha, which was released in 2012, and Mistress America, which came out in 2015. And they're both directed by Noah Baumbach, who also serves as the co-writer on these films uh, with Greta. And both of these films explore similar themes. One theme that comes up a lot in between both of them would be just growth and a sense of friendship. Both play huge roles in both films. I think it's important that we focus on that. Yes, absolutely. So something that strikes me about Frances Ha and like that theme of friendship, uh, it's obviously one of the main plot points of the film is Frances's relationship with Sophie. In the beginning, it's such, you can see the joy and love that they have for each other. And it's just so heartwarming. You can tell that they're not just friends, like they are family. They are each other's person. As they're growing as people individually, that causes their friendship to split. I feel like it's done in a very realistic way. It seems very true to, you know, what I've experienced in my life with friends where, you know, as I've grown, it's meant that I've, you know, lost touch or, you know, I just don't see or talk to certain friends as often. And that doesn't mean that I love them any less, or it just means that we're moving in different directions. And, you know, sometimes that means we've come back to each other at certain points and then gone back. And then other times it just caused a separation. But that's something that I felt, you know, I could really relate to was this sense of loss and kind Kind of grieving that and sometimes being in denial that that's happening because you see especially as people grow in their individual ways like as their lifestyle changes you know Sophie she has this job this full-time job that requires you know as much more full-on than Francis's and begins in a relationship and a lot of times when your lifestyle changes like that can cause a break in relationships that you had with people before that those changes there's almost a sense that she's kind of growing more than Francis Francis, like Francis seems to be in denial that like these things are going on in her life or things aren't progressing forward. She's kind of in a stagnant place. And that's something that I feel feel like I can relate to too. Yeah, like even when you want to be growing or you think that you should be growing or, you know, that it seems like you're stuck in in this place and you don't know how to get out of it. It's really beautiful watching Francis's journey over the course of the entire film, like just watching her arc. And going from someone who's so set in her ways and so sure of things to kind of losing it in the middle and then coming back to like realizing, oh, I can have this job and still progress forward. Like she finds her footing eventually the same Mm -hmm. way that you kind of see Sophie find her footing throughout the course of the film. It was interesting watching it this time, you know, for this. And I first watched this film when I was in college, but, you know, rewatching it now, Francis and I are about the same age. And it just kind of resonated with me on a on another level now also being that age and kind of going through similar things, having friends or, you know, peers go through following similar paths and, you know, watching some friends who follow a more traditional path and how that's caused a separation or, you know, and not that anyone is right or wrong. It's just different. And how frustrating it can be to be a someone in a creative profession who wants to pursue that because as much as you're passionate about it and you might have some of the talent there's so much competition and you might not be as talented as you think that you are and it there's a lot of work that needs to go into it to kind of get to where you want to go and it's not a straightforward path 
Yeah, definitely. I had a somewhat similar experience watching it this time around. I mean, the first time I watched this film was like right when it came out, which I was in high school. And I I feel like I didn't understand it. But now as someone who's almost 23, I'm starting to see it and I'm starting to understand the place that Frances is in her life. There's a line in the film where her, it's her and Adam Driver at dinner and she turns to him and says, Mm -hmm. I'm not a real person yet. Every time I think about that line, I'm just like, wow, same. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that I think is really common for people in their 20s to be thinking, especially once you've left school or even if you're still working through it, like you feel like, oh, once, you know, graduate from high school, you go to college, you get a job, you maybe get married and have kids and like you feel like you have to have that all right away and but you realize like that things take time and they don't all come at once <laughs> and that even sometimes when things do come at once, it's not always the right thing and you kind of have to stumble and fail a few times before you kind of get to where you need to be to get what you want. Yeah, sorry, I- I keep nodding, but we're learning. This is an We're learning. <laughs> this is audio and not video. <laughs> Come back to me thoughts. Okay. I think it's interesting watching it as someone who is who took a non-traditional path for mm-hmm. themselves. Going through school now. I'm watching I'm watching my peers graduate and get full-time jobs. I'm watching people get married and start families. And it's so bizarre to think Mm -hmm. that there are people the same age as you who are doing vastly different things. And it's like, you know, you know, choice, you know, you made choices for yourself Mm -hmm. that were most likely the right choices. And those people have also made choices that are most likely the right choices, or maybe they're the wrong choices. It's just like, it's very, ugh. Oh, I'm like thinking too hard about it now. It's really bizarre. (laughs) I definitely agree with you. As you get older, you learn to trust yourself in the decisions that you're making for yourself and realize that you're making them for yourself and not for anybody else. Or that, you know, your path is your own and you're on your own timeline. And not anyone else's. And I think that's something that I really admire about her characters is that they are so passionate and like so they believe so deeply in what they're going for. Yeah. I mean, between between Francis with wanting to be a dancer and then you have Brooke in Mistress America who wants to own a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both of them are so passionate about what their their goals are that they don't necessarily have maybe the skills or the tools that they need to accomplish those goals. But with their grit and ambition and heart, they so deeply believe that they can accomplish them and to some extent still accomplish things. Maybe not the way that they originally thought, but still achieve some sort of growth. And that's to me, it seems very hopeful and optimistic, even though for most of the films, it's very sad and they have to go through these really hard times to to kind of get to where they want to be. But I feel like the message is very hopeful and optimistic. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that I really love about the characters and I feel like it's unique to her characters as well is that they have such a specific perspective on the world. It's so unique to them. Their reality is so clear. Yeah. And so specific to them. And you you know exactly where they're coming from. I feel like Greta does a great amount of character work 
when it comes to her writing. I feel like these characters come together fully formed. They're handed to, I mean, across all of her films, I feel like the character comes to the actor fully formed. And then of course the actor does what the actor does. But with her portraying a character that she helped create, that character is coming to set fully put together. Yeah. And I know watching Mistress America in particular, I remember that ending and like really feeling like that story for Brooke didn't feel like an ending. Like I feel like I could have watched another film with her like in California. And then she had this whole life like this was just like a snapshot into this particular character's, this particular moment in their life. Yeah. Which is, you know, shows really strong character development. Like I remember just thinking, I was like, I want to see what, you know, I want to see her in California and like see where she's ended up. I mean, she passed the SATs. What's Brooke in college like? Can you imagine? (laughs) It's like Brooke goes to college. It's like the sequel. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, She's at like USC or something and... (laughs) Just taking Tracy's under her wing everywhere she goes. Now in Frances Ha, what would you say are your favorite scenes? Favorite scenes? I would say when my two favorite scenes, the two that stick out the most to me in my head are the dinner Mm -hmm. And then seeing the results of the dinner, like what she says at the dinner. Um, You see her at this dinner where she talks about what your person is and sharing that glance with someone across the room. And then you see her get to share that glance at the end of the film with Sophie. And you really, Mm -hmm. it's really cemented for the viewer, like, this is her person. And these are two people who deeply love and care for each other. That's definitely one of my favorites. One of my favorite quotes in the film. I love that it's cemented as, because I think a lot of people would hear that and think, oh, that person is a romantic partner, you know, whether male or female. But the fact that it's her best friend, um, you know, for so many people, that is their person, is their best friend, you know, and sometimes it's someone that they've been romantic with and other for other people, it's a family member. But the, the fact that that's who her person is and the lo- and how particular and unique the love between two female friends is, is so special to see and something that you don't see often enough yeah. in the film. It really is special. I like how you described it. I've never seen a set of women who are friends with each other like be anything less than like family to one another. It's such a wonderful bond that people like that people get to have and it's really nice to see it so realistically portrayed on screen Mm -hmm. in films like this. Yeah, because their separation isn't, it's not caused by, you know, them going after the same guy or someone embarrassed the other, you know, it's just they grew in their own way and it happened not to be together. That is life. (laughs) Yeah, it's clear that they grew together for so long Mm -hmm. that that's why it was such a shock for Francis, watching them start to Mm -hmm. grow apart or grow separately. Just like watching them. It really is interesting to like watch Francis adjust to the separate growth when when they have been growing together for so long and how realistic it is watching watching someone have that sort of internal crisis solely based on the behavior of someone close to them. 
It also shows that as people develop and sometimes some people's refusal to develop or to accept that they're in a certain position can also affect the relationships that they have with people around them too. Yeah. Which I think is really important. I think that people don't think about enough. Yes. Yes. I also would say that the montage in California is great. It really paints that image of home. Our Mm -hmm. real home. Like... A real home, yeah. Because it's important to note that that film, her character goes back to Sacramento, where Greta is from. Her real parents play her parents in the film. And yeah, there's such a feeling of warmth and that feeling of home that you're describing. I, I feel like I keep saying the word special, but it I think that is special. Getting, even though it's Francis, I feel like you really get a look into Greta in that montage. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's, there's less dialogue. The scenes are a lot shorter. They are, you know, less complex and intricate. It's kind of, you're, it seems like you're like looking at several different snapshots of what her life in California is like at home and several which you definitely see again in Lady Bird and how much of Greta is in that film. There's some scenes from that sequence that like are almost translate directly to that film. Yeah. That's really cool to see. It is really cool. And I think that that scene also is a turning point for her in which she kind of begins to start to accept to kind of develop towards like, oh, I need to think about things a little bit differently. Yeah, it's really cool to see the turning point. Like without seeing the turning point, mm-hmm. uh, since it's shot in like a montage way, you don't, you see the change in frame of mind throughout the rest of the film, but you don't see the moment. Right. Which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's definitely very interesting. Because I think for so much of the film, you kind of get you feel as lonely as she is because you're with her the entire time you know she is in every scene Mm -hmm. and there's moments where she is even when she's with people you can kind of get the sense that she still feels really alone yeah she doesn't start off feeling that way though no no, that definitely builds throughout the course of the film. Mm-hmm. Definitely, especially the further away that she kind of gets from Sophie. Yeah. But I think also as like these other friends and peers of her kind of move on with their lives as well and kind of move around her. She just feels stagnant. Yeah. But I I would say not only in like the last scene with that moment with Sophie that's so powerful, but like getting to see everything come to fruition and have all the people in her life there to celebrate and to share that with her. It is really special. But I think it's also really interesting in it that learning that she, that Greta writes her scripts in a way that she feels like the script is like a set document that they use absolutely no improv. And they do a lot of takes and things are very choreographed because especially Frances Ha just feels so off the cuff, like improvised material. It does. It feels it just really, feels really loose. Really, and yeah, like, really loose, really natural. You know, she thinks is like, they don't really deviate from the script. She doesn't like to do rewrites. So it's really interesting that that's the way that it is. And then how that comes across on screen. Yes. Nodding. Again with the nodding. I It makes me curious to see what her sets are like uh like in person with mm-hmm. the limited to no rewrites and the no improv and seeing what a 
very nailed down script set looks like. Yeah, it's interesting how it would be, you know, her acting in that is different from her later films where she's directing. Because I feel like as an actor, also be like an actor and a writer, maybe having it fully formed before you go into it maybe would be helpful as, you know, for your performance. But I was actually watching something where Noah Baumbach was talking about how he feels like Greta, like him, feels like they're able to separate their roles, you know, in as creators, like as a writer and an actress, she's able to kind of be present in both of those roles without kind of like kind of letting one interfere with the other. That's really interesting. That also I feel like something I like about her acting work is it does feel very present and very just it just feels like she's totally in the moment and like totally embodying the character that she's playing. It makes me curious uh, to see what like Greta would be like in a theatrical setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we were we were going to go see her on Broadway. <laughs> Corona. Um, <laughs> thank you. I will miss Mumblecore Three Sisters more than anything in the world. Yeah. That entire cast was chef's kiss. Yes. I, I would be curious not for only to act in a theatrical setting, but also to write and or direct a play. I feel like the closest we're going to come to that is the untitled tap heavy musical that she is writing. Yes. At least for a while. Yeah, I think so. But I feel like with her being in New York and the, you know, the circles that she runs in, I, I don't think I don't think it would be that far, far off for her to do that. And I think her style would be conducive too, because there's so much character work and so much like dialogue and she even talks about like writing for the stage and the differences between that and for film that I could see her doing that for sure. I feel like she could EGOT easily. Mm-hmm. It just it would be so interesting if she starred in the musical that she is writing. <laughs> I, I'd pay good money to see it. If her and like Saoirse are doing <laughs> a little tap number. <laughs> together <laughs> just yeah I'm just like thinking of like old Hollywood musicals and her doing that. <laughs> very funny to imagine. It would be incredible. It would. They don't make them films like that anymore. No. Which is a real shame. It is a real shame. I mean, I would say... Like, as much as I relate to 27-year-old Francis right now, 18-year-old Tracy in Mistress America, really watching it, I was like, I felt like I was watching myself. Um, It was really interesting. Like, a lot of the things that she says in it really reminded me of my experience as a college freshman from an aesthetic point of view. Like, we have very similar styles. Not the most girly but like not tomboyish like kind of somewhere in between lots of I don't know like hats and scarves and like she wears this like denim shirt in like one of the beginning scenes that like is I have one that's like almost exactly the same (laughs) but you know she seems you know she's at this you know obviously elite she's at Barnard she's you know at elite college and she seems like to be a very eager student but clearly you know she probably came from an environment where she was like the best in her class and now she's among people who are just as smart as she is 
where there's like a different set of expectations and definitely feels a little bit insecure in her abilities, even though she has what it takes to be there, but hasn't really, is still kind of finding her place. And, you know, the conversation that she has with her advisor about like having trouble completing the papers and that's something I struggled with a lot (laughs) and kind of wanting to fit in and having trouble like finding her people and making those friends and kind of just overwhelming sense of loneliness and like feeling underwhelmed by the whole experience of being at college because, you know, it's just, it's sold as like, these are going to be the best years of your life. You know, for some people it is. And, but I feel like for most people it isn't and people kind of ignore the kind of complexities that being a young adult in college entails and kind of doesn't show the real side of like what young adults are going through mentally and emotionally when they're in college. It's not all like parties and (laughs) uh, studying. Yeah, I feel like this is one of the more realistic portrayals of like a college freshman that I've seen ever. Just the working so hard to like desperately cling to any sense of identity that she can get her hands on like Mm -hmm. not connecting with the work wanting so desperately to like belong to the writer society which she's not even sure that she really wants to be a part of but she doesn't know what she would be part of if she didn't do that yeah the one friend that she does make is still like not quite there's still a disconnect there and like her roommate isn't like they don't really connect either so she just kind of feels definitely lost and is like I don't I don't know what I'm doing like and I don't think she knows how to go about like changing things either right for herself which I definitely could relate to. And I think that's why it didn't surprise me that she would connect with Brooke so much. Cause I feel like, you know, when I was that age, like I could have seen myself getting caught up with like someone like that just because on the outside she presents such like a dazzling portrayal of herself and of the world and like what life in New York is like just seems to offer so much when in reality she does not. Yeah, I I feel like if I were in Tracy's shoes, if I saw someone like Brooke, I would see, ah, yes, the spinning image of an adult who has their life together, who's interesting and surrounded by these interesting people. When, of course, the closer you get to her, the more you realize that that's so not true. At least the as put together as she seems mm-hmm. from the outside. Brooke works really hard to present as this put together person who knows exactly what is going on at all times and knows exactly Mm -hmm. what she wants at all times. And Tracy, I feel like she clings to that as like, that could be me. I I could know exactly what I wanted at all times and be stable. Like I could find stability in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the fact that Brooke's, you know, a little bit older, she's like, oh, this is what this is what life's gonna be like when I'm 30. And you know, something to look forward to and just like someone to connect to that like is willing to include her in things and show her around and like there seems there's just like this so much energy around her and kind of just like running like a million miles per minute like just constantly saying things and doing things and I can see why she gets she's caught up and she's inspired because it's she seems so sure of herself that I you know and I think that's like initially why Tracy is really inspired by her is just she seems so sure of what she wants 
wants and what she's trying to do and her abilities. And I mean, there is a little bit of playing the victim, I think, in her own life. A little bit. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Based on like some of her past experiences. But I think that's also kind of just her way of dealing with some of the things that have happened to her. But it's interesting to see that like as the film goes on, those roles kind of flip. Yes. Where Brooke becomes more insecure. You start to see that that kind of facade starts to break down. You really see her in moments of her really being vulnerable and insecure. And then Tracy becoming more confident and sure of herself and willing to express her ideas. It's interesting too with like Brooke is, I feel like for most of the film, I really didn't like her (laughs) because to me, she kind of reminds me of some like toxic friends that I've had in the past. But at the same time, there's like something about her that is quite intriguing and like you like her, but you don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then I think by the end that I really pity her in a way and just like really feel for her because I mean, the scene with her, her her call to her dad is just so heartbreaking and so you kind of see how lonely she is and how like she needs Tracy just as much as like Tracy needs her yeah and then the final scene where they're in the apartment and she's talking about what her like mental state is most of the time and I'm just like that sounds like depression (laughs) you've been depressed this is mental illness (laughs) yeah it's like staring off into the space for hours at a time is depression Mm-hmm. 100%. I agree with your stance on Brooke. I feel like at the beginning, she's just, she's so aggressive and kind of assertive and it turns you off in a way mm-hmm. because you are reminded of like toxic friendships you've had or, you know, the people who have bossed you around in your life. It's kind of like when you're in elementary school and there's the like one girl who has like the cool bike and everyone's like, yes, yeah, yeah. cool bike girl let's listen to everything she has to say like that's her (laughs) yes yes absolutely (laughs) i i do feel like over the course of the film she kind of humanizes by the end you empathize with her Mm -hmm. because i think also like some of the things that she says are just so (laughs) outlandish and absurd and like funny and you're just like where where are you getting these opinions from (laughs) right her one quote about like social media i'm like you are literally every influencer on Instagram right now. (laughs) Like your, yeah, your view of yourself in 2015 of just like, it's really funny. I think because so many of the characters are so likable in her other films, I think that's kind of what struck me in this one, especially one that she's playing. And then of course, like in the house, when they're all in the house together, it just, the film just progressively gets more absurd. Yeah. Like that whole sequence, I'm what is going on? It's like you think you've hit the peak and something else happens. Yeah, there's so much going on. And I couldn't, it was interesting. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I don't think that Tracy was in the wrong for writing about Brooke. I don't either. In that way. I think for someone who wants to write fiction and she wrote a partially fictionalized piece about a person that she knows in real life, Mm -hmm. not for a super wide audience. I mean, it's for the literary journal, but who sees the literary journal outside of the college? I feel like what she did is like what all writers do. You know, Brooke is upset by it. Like, you know, those feelings are valid if it upsets her, but I don't, you know, I think she wrote about her in a really like, honest 
way. She was just writing from observation. I didn't really feel like she was writing in a judgmental way. She was just like kind of writing what she saw. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. So I think there it was, I think it became comical that they were all just like, yeah, you're a horrible person for writing and seeing these things about her when she was really just following her interest and inspiration. She was just, it was coming from inspiration. Do you think that comes from a place of fear within Greta? Like a little bit? Do you think she writes? I think so. I think because she writes so much of her stuff, I feel like from her own life and her experiences and her character seemed to, because there's a feeling of like with these characters that like maybe she felt whether beginning of her career or even now of her feeling like she doesn't have what it takes to like do what she's doing, but she still has a lot of ambition and heart that will get her there at the end of the day. Yeah. But maybe been a fear of mine too when I write things that are inspired by people that I know or like things that have happened to me and then finding out and reading about it and like what they would think about it. But that's just kind of the name of the game. (laughs) It is definitely, I feel like that's a common fear among people who write just Mm -hmm. being terrified. Oh, I, I wrote about this one thing that happened when I was in middle school and what happens if they see it and they remember things differently and it snowballs very quickly. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I think that it's very possible that she, that that could be a reflection of her own maybe fears or insecurities as a writer because you definitely seem, you know, the insecurities of like, it's really funny watching like Brooke do the whole like dance when she's like pitching. (laughs) It's really similar to what Frances does. But also there's this kind of like she's pitching and like that's a part of the filmmaking process now is, you know, pitching your concept or your film or your project to someone and how kind of terrifying that can be. Usually it's in front of a bunch of rich white men. You know, the same thought could be applied to her and the Brooke and Mimi Claire. Maybe there was a project that she felt someone stole her, you know, or didn't get the credit where she felt credit was due. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I just thought (laughs) (laughs) that's a fear that she's projecting is especially for I feel like a woman where you're not in the industry, you're not getting the credit where you should. Yeah. I feel like that's a good place to end it. I think so. Yeah, I think we covered it all. I think Mm -hmm. this is a good setup to move forward into Greta's directing projects. Yeah, I definitely think so. We hope that you've gained a little insight into Greta's early career, because it's definitely going to play a role moving forward into her directing projects. And we're really excited to talk about Lady Bird next week, one of our favorite films. Yes, indeed. But before we go, uh, we'll remind you that you can find us on social media on Instagram at Your Dude Cinema Pod and on Twitter at Your Dude Cinema. And you can follow me, Katie, on my personal Instagram, which is at Catherine Lucy23. And you can follow me on Jess on my personal Twitter or Instagram. Both are at Jess McGinty. Jess with three S's, don't forget. And with that, thank you. And we will see yes. you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.